Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. Today we've got on tap for you an episode that we've recorded quite some time ago uh, on our old equipment, and we've just been looking for a good time to have that be released. Now is it. Pulling out some movie reviews of some films that have been out for quite some time now, um, but kind of falling in line with some movies that are going to be coming out this spring. So without further ado, enjoy the review. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting, exciting round of chitter chat between myself, Richard, and Ken on our wonderful ELP podcast. Absolutely. Not to be confused with the cookies or the, wait, those are ELL. Everybody loves fudge. Everybody loves Yes, those are delicious. Those the are sandwich delicious. cookies. Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. So, what or are we talking about today? ELP are those new records? Extender, extra, extra. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. It's 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 late enough that uh, that music and food is merging into mm. a single thing. Yes. So, uh, today we are going to have another fun little movie review slash discussion. Um, about one of our favorite subjects, which happens to be uh, comic book movies. Absolutely. Uh, there was a very popular movie that was released uh, this last this past fall, and I did not get to see it in the movies in a in a theater. Um, but it's been recently released on you know the old good old fashioned Blu-ray DVD digital combo, which I now own and I have gotten a chance to watch, and that is Thor Ragnarok. I mean, it's definitely always a good time to to do a review of any comic book movie. But, you know, we may not be on the cutting edge this time, but I, I think this still has staying power. And I think there's probably still a good chunk of people that haven't seen it yet. And, and uh, even if you have, it, thoroughly enjoyable all around, I think. Yeah, I, I think this is more, I, I think, I think it's more acceptable for our, our broader audience because a lot of times what you see in comic book movies is maybe actiony stuff or talky type stuff and it, it usually draws a specific type of crowd but this one i would almost loosely just qualify as a comedy and i think that draws a little bit broader audience potentially I mean, potentially and it's and it's uh from the series of movies that marvel has made that's probably the most um I don't know if inconsistent is the right word, but uh, whether it be through tone or through quality of movie or through everything else, it seems to jump around quite a bit from what it wants to envision itself from one movie to the next. Yes. So Thor Ragnarok obviously is uh, is going to be uh, maybe not quite as... Uh, quite as uh, talked about here in a month or so as Avengers, which will be released, but it's a, a good lead-in to whet our appetite. Be ready for the the glut, at least me personally, the glut of watching all of these comic book movies again before I finally go to see Avengers. The the uh, It's become kind of a tradition. They, they do it in the, the theaters, and I'm going to do it myself, watching all of the movies again before the new Avengers movie comes out. I haven't watched all of them. But uh, recently, I have thrown some time into, with vacation, sometimes you just have time to sit on a couch and grab a tablet and watch some things, and I did that. So I was able to get some of the more recent ones in, like the Civil War and Spider-Man Homecoming, just watch those again. And those are good lead-ups, I think, into the Definitely. new Avengers movie. So This one, too. So, just like our previous review of Black Panther, we are going to be breaking this down into a handful of categories that we're going to rank at different points levels and, and give it the old high school uh, grade equivalency uh, in, in each of our own opinions. We're going to break them down by cast. We're going to break it down by the director, uh, costuming and props, location, cinematography, plot and writing, and any potential bonus points we decide to uh, to add for any particular reason we feel that it makes sense. So last time I just kind of dotted around trying to coax from whatever it is, but we're going. Why don't we start with the easy part this time? 
and just go right into the cast itself. And what kind of uh, impression from the fresher, because it's been a little longer since I've seen this movie, since Richard has, but what were your impressions of the casting of this movie? I think everything is pretty spot on. I mean, it for the most part in the Marvel universe in general, whoever their casting agents that they have tend to do a pretty solid job on all the parts, whether they're big parts or little parts or not. And I think what they've done in this one seems to make sense for everything. There's a lot of people in this movie. There's a lot of characters that have uh, plenty of FaceTime. And there are a few that have minor bits of FaceTime or no FaceTime, but voice time. And I, I think everything is pretty spot on. I, I don't really... I don't really have too many issues with much of anything. Now, of course, some of these characters are already established. Yeah. So it's the same actors in place for those. But you had you had, you know, plenty of new ones. Um, a couple faces that you saw in there for a second before they died. But <laughs> um, yeah, casting's great. So, did you have any thoughts specifically on Kate Blanchett as as Hila? What did you think of? Of her, I mean, her, she's been in a ton of different stuff. And, you know, I, what, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. Uh, that still, for me, is, is the, is the part that, uh, that still resonates that I kind of always think of when I think of her. But she's, she's been in a ton of stuff. Been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, but see, in that, in, in Lord of the Rings, she was, like good but creepy right <laughs> yes so she can do creepy so she, she can, can do she do can do angry and in this one it's i don't think she was ever necessarily asked to do angry necessarily in direct i hate you but um portray that she's been angry you know what i'm saying I like i would i would say that it seems that she is definitely playing she's not playing furious She's yeah. not playing. I'm I'm going to destroy the world because of my great anger, so much as uh, I'm going to get what's due to me, which you know works pretty well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought she did great. Uh, no problems. What about uh, Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster? Very good. Very very good. Uh, he's got a, a nice personality that I think fits in how they wanted the Grandmaster to be portrayed in this movie yeah he really didn't have to stretch much did he for this but i mean jeff goldblum as jeff goldblum is still just fun to watch no matter what yeah i think all the uh returning actors did wonderfully i mean tom hiddleston is in in my mind in a lot of ways the glue that holds the marvel universe together i mean he is the only villain that they let live for any extended period of time and put in multiple movies and it's easy to see why the amount of charisma this dude exudes just into anything is is pretty phenomenal. He does well. I I happened to catch some snippets of uh, Kong Skull Island uh, yesterday, last night maybe, and like that movie is just loaded with people that are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and of course yep. he's front and center in it, and Brie Larson's in it, and uh, Samuel L. Jackson's in it, and even. Oh gosh, he he was the the main officer on Xandar. Um, oh he, yes, he does more comedy than yeah. Than I know I, exactly I, who you mean. All in Kong uh, Skull Island, but walk once hard again, the Dewey Cox story. Yes, yes, absolutely. But yeah, he carry he can he's got a good presence. He does a good job. Um, one of the things that I I think I noticed in the in this movie too, you had we we, we discussed a little bit too. There's um, uh, Carl Urban's in this movie. Yeah. You know, not. He's kind of one of my deep cut favorite guys in a lot of things. Yes, absolutely. And did we, we we discussed this a little bit, maybe even yesterday or two days ago. And he he did fine in this movie too. You no, know. his. I'll get to this when we get to some of the plot sort of stuff. But his his choice for executioner, I would never have expected to be first choice. That he's not the guy I would think of for it. I think the direction they went with him, he was definitely the right choice, and I think he pulled it off quite well. Exactly. So from like what I would think that character is supposed to be like, maybe not, maybe not him, but for how they presented him in the movie, it was 
fine. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. I mean, um, in another Lord of the Rings kind of thing too. Yep. And so you get you get a lot of that, uh, a lot of a lot of that kind of carryover, but also um, kind of a fun thing. I mean, most people won't think about it because there's so much CGI in these movies. So sometimes you just won't see the person that's actually doing whatever it is, but having a Clancy Brown as Surtur is just kind of a fun thing. I mean, the yeah. Clancy he, Brown is, we, we've talked about Clancy yeah, Brown just a little bit that we're, we're, we're definitely fans of him. Yeah. He, uh, he seems to, he seems to have his own niche and, and does very well. Uh, bringing in Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. I think she did a really good job. Um, I yeah. mean, I, I'd seen her a bit. She was in uh, Westworld. So I got a little bit of, I, she's, I, I feel like a fairly new face just in, in general. Seems like it. But yeah, she did, she did a great job in, in Westworld. So it was nice to see her in this one too. A lot of times I have issues with the director putting themselves into any major film. It, I find it to be mildly annoying more often than not, but considering again, it's voice rather than actual presence. Okay. It, uh, he did he did perfectly fine too but truthfully the best possible casting was just again what we were talking about before we started recording was was from the little play yeah and oh that was great i mean how who i want to know who had this idea if this was uh i'm going to mispronounce his name because i am just ta- awful in that way but uh ty why why is that right we y- y- is it Taika? Taika. Taika Waititi. Yeah. And I'm going to feel terrible about that because I get everybody's name wrong. And I think that's just going to be uh, one thing that you're going to see in the show. Just count on me to completely screw up whatever name of, if it's not Anglo-Saxon <laughs> origin. Jim Smith. Jim Smith. I'm going to get it wrong. It's because I'm, I'm going to apologize profusely and repeatedly about this. But uh, the dude, obviously, greatly talented. I wonder if it was his idea. Or I wonder if it was it was somebody else's, but whatever it was, it was just pure genius. And to get who they did, just seeing Matt Damon the first time <laughs> on the screen, the entire the yeah. entire audience in the theater when I watched it just immediately roared out laughing with that whole bit. It was it was it was so well done. Yeah, and they got his brother, of course, uh, uh, to to play the Thor character in the play as well. So it's. Another another Westworld alum actually, so it, it that that whole yeah that whole bit that whole scene was spot on. It was great. Yeah, and and you know it's always nice when they don't spoil it in the uh, in the trailers. Uh, it just can be a little frustrating whenever that sort of a thing happens. But uh, luckily that was not the case. So okay, so solid cast all around. Out of a out of a twenty, what do you think you would give the casting on this? Hmm. Well the. I mean, I got to go with, was it perfect? Probably not. So let's go with 19. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, it's pretty pretty darn close. I probably have to also go with a 19 out of 20 on the casting. And that, of course, brings us kind of, because we already started uh, talking about a little bit, to the directing. And that's uh, from Taika. Um, what did you think about the direction that this movie took in comparison to the first two? That led up to it. Well, I I don't know if they were trying to present the, the Thor character as that mythological character, or maybe have it be more serious. A lot of times when you see him in the cartoon, he's the serious, no fun character amongst the Avengers. But I, I think the, the one reason that they could do it was Chris Hemsworth, you know, because he could pull it off. So I, I think, I, I think, in how this whole thing was presented, I, it had a weird but cool vibe. I kind of, if this movie was in, in like you put you pushed it back and it was released in the eighties. Like it would still like make sense because yeah. of the feel of some of the stuff, the music too. It would still work, yeah. So I, I think 
to go that different direction and take that risk. I mean, to, to me, it worked out. It, uh, as far as I know, it's gotten really great reviews across the board from a lot of different people. So I, I mean, it worked. Well, it's definitely brave in some respects. I mean, Kenneth Branagh starting off the series in the original Thor, who is is somebody that I will watch do anything. I love that that guy, whether he's acting or whether he's directing. Kind of starting it off with that kind of stoic Shakespearean presentation. Yes. And they wanted to ratchet that up to a cosmic scale into the second movie, and it just kind of didn't work yeah at least not as well as it should have um i it i guess it depends on how you want that or how you think that character actually is you know and i think they've tried to always present it as that like you said that proper character who speaks and sort of a proper but weird you know way you yeah, know, I, I I don't know how to. Well, describe again, it, but... almost a Shakespearean. They they yep. did that even from the comic books originally. When you when you would read the the run all the way back, you know, have at the... decades and decades ago, they all had, uh, prithee, with thou come, dost thou? And yes, okay, this is how the Norse would talk. But okay, fine, you're you're <laughs> taking it from taking it from the Shakespearean perspective. That's that's just fine. But, I mean, he stayed consistent from the Thor movie, basically, to the Avengers movie. And then they almost tried to humanize him in in a way that didn't... I think that's really what didn't work in going into the Dark World. And then you go into the second Avengers movie where he was basically just there. And it's... it's well, because of that kind of U-turn, it didn't there wasn't a space for him to, to, to fit. I don't feel in, in that film that, that really made much sense. And so I think that gave, uh, Taika a chance to kind of go, okay, well, yeah. How can we, he's floating express. Yeah. Where are we going to send him? And I like that part and I like the direction that he takes it, but I think there's both a, a positive and a negative to this. I mean, the positive I, I agree. They're able to blend the comedy there with the action, and I think that it works really well. But unless you're going to keep him, uh, you know, well, well, assuming, okay, this is a big assumption, assuming that they do another Thor movie, how is Thor going to be portrayed? I have a funny feeling that his presentation may not be consistent again because it's a changing of directorial hands going from one movie to another is the gun the guns are doing the avengers right is that right mm, no it's the um, the ones that did um guardians of the galaxy no the right. ones that did uh winter soldier ah yes okay that's right that's right um so winter soldier was super serious yeah not a, i mean it had some laughs in it but not not a ton so when you go into the Infinity War, where it's going to be really serious again, how is he going to go into that? I mean, well, they they, they did a small amount of that not serious um, stuff in the Avengers. There was some comedy hits in there. If you remember, bit. they were kind of fighting on the yeah. helicarrier and then... Hulk and, they, and Thor going back and forth, and they, and they kept yep. that and expanded on it in this yep. movie, but obviously that, to a much larger scale. Yeah, they can't they can't have the what made it work, and this, this is Thor's movie. He's got the screen time. They're not going to have that necessarily in the Avengers. He's going to have screen time, but he's not going to have a ton. So the the character has to be a, um, almost a quick take a synopsis of his personality showing up at any given point in time. But it appears as though in the new Avengers movie, a lot of his screen time is going to be with some of the guardians characters who most of their movies are presented in a very funny way, a funny way as well. So we'll see what happens. I'm I'm mildly concerned, but I, I I don't think it's a huge issue. And Marvel generally does a good job. Yeah. I, I think this was kind of a one maybe a one-off maybe because if you if you think about it a lot of the series of the movies um 
they don't go to a fourth. No. You know, Iron no. Man's hit three. Captain America's hit three by title, at least. Yeah. Um, Thor now is at three. Um, Guardians will eventually hit three. And all I see is that Evans is done after the next Avengers film. And I'm I'm mildly... I'm cringe, not cringing, but I'm, I'm kind of cautious. Like, is, is this is this the end of the road, or will they be able to do it again? Have some transition, basically pull a Star Trek and have some small variation, and be able to continue from one movie to the other, or are they going to be like a Star Trek and the newer Star Trek and try and completely reboot and lose the lose certain aspects of the feeling that made the original series so much fun. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting future. Right now it's still pretty solid, but in the yeah, future. I, th- I think it'll be pretty good. So as the director goes, what do you think for, for Taika? Well, I, I think they – I definitely think it went in a pleasant direction. And everything that how, – how it was presented – wasn't I mean obviously part of it has to be the script and you got to have that 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 tie in too but uh, as far as how it was presented I think it's a nice break from the traditional lineup of oh, the yeah. movies so I, I no problem would you what would you give him out of 20 mm, let's go with 18 with 18 yeah I uh, hmm I think uh I enjoy this is one of the ones I've enjoyed the best. I'll, I would probably say I would say 19 probably for him on on the director. I mean nearly nearly perfect. Like I said, my only hesitation is how how his spin is going to be affected through the future movies and that's not something that's necessarily directly him but something that you always have to think about when you're touching a character that's going to be shared in multiple sources. Yeah. What about uh, costuming props? We're going to have ten in this in this particular category to give. What did you think about the the change in costuming and props? <clears throat> well, it did seem like he for the the actual Thor character it evolved or it changed in bits and pieces throughout the movie for sure. Yeah. And then the big one was when they're on the um, was it War War World Sakar Sakar yeah. That all the characters in there were presented great. You know, they all had like their own oddball kind of look, but like it seemed to fit in with everything else that was on that planet. So that's that's one of the things that I kind of really noticed. I like that. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I have I have uh, a. The this is maybe one of the areas where I felt that there was something a little bit lacking. I mean, you you had some interesting progression of costuming through for Thor throughout the film as you know of course he gets his hair shaved off and his outfit is changed and he eventually gets the you know eye patch and everything and and uh Hulk has his uh gladiator uh outfit that he uh that he has on in the in the arena and of course Valkyrie has her brand new thing. So I mean there's a lot of things that popped. The Grandmaster definitely popped in in what he had to wear. But there were some things that I I felt some a lot of stuff on Sakar kind of just blended. It almost faded to the background and it meant that may have been what was intended. It may have been that I'm just seeing it that way. But like uh the lead um uh, the lead guard that um, that uh, Grandmaster had the outfit that she wore, I yeah, I don't get it. It looked like kind of a, an odd attempt to replicate the um, the um, soldiers from Stargate that uh, mm. that would have the the heads that they the oh it's a snake and now you see his head through the helmet uh, take that off and the rest of the outfit it looks very much like that in yeah. a lot of ways um and you know i understand it's a trash plant a lot of stuff is just going to be refuse but when you because of the palettes that they used as bright as some of the front line stuff was everything else was just kind of dull and i just kind of glossed over a lot of it i didn't like that so much i like 
And again, the fault may lay in me in this one, but uh, it, I felt that something was missing. Yeah, I I never really got that. Now, maybe sometimes I don't pay close enough attention to some of those things, like what other people do or what you do. But I just remember lots of colors and not really digging in too deep on it. You know, some face paint on some people here and there. The the direction that they went as far as like in the arena, as far as Hulk's gladiator armor, like those type of things. From what I have seen, and I've I've not read the actual Planet Hulk Bears series, li- little to no resemblance. So I have no basis to judge that on. I've watched the uh, cartoon, the animated movie version of that. So that that's about my only real reference to that type of stuff. But uh, you know, uh, Korg, he doesn't have much. I mean, he's all rock anyway. But his little tiny outfit that he had seemed just fine too for what the representation of that was and everybody on asgard has their own little you know outfits and stuff like that so i liked well and they did fantastic in doing the executioner's outfit i mean it could not have been closer i felt to what it needed to be and and paying tribute to the comic book yeah. version that one seemed pretty solid and Hela's outfit was pretty pretty slick it's takes some liberties with uh what she looks like from the comics but you kind of have to because that character is such a mishmash of so many comic characters kind of rolled into a single one um i mean it's okay you know that 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 kind of works but would like with the asgardians like one and this and again this is probably going off of bad memories having watched it a, a while back but so the warriors three you know, you, you're you've got your principals, you've got your secondary characters, and your tertiary support, and then you've got the riffraff, everybody else, right? So the riffraff is kind of all meant to blend in to a certain extent. You got the tertiary to a certain extent, kind of well, not much better. That's like those guards and things, but <clears throat> like the Warriors Three, they had very distinct, very I, I wouldn't say iconic because it doesn't go that far. I don't think, but. It, they they would pop and and you could see who they were in the in the first movie and I don't think they had that really with the exception of Hogan I think well because he got you know he actually got to fight ten seconds of screen time as opposed to one second of screen time <laughs> for the other ones so I think I think that's why but you're you're right there wasn't there was only a certain certain people that were going to stand out in this particular movie so i I, that that disappointed me a little bit i thought i mean especially if you can just compare it to the first movie look at all of the asgardians in the in the crowd when thor at the very beginning of the movie is going up you know he's you know drinking in the praise of everybody those outfits were fantastic and almost to an individual you could see detail and they all popped and it was just kind of that way it was bright and it just, i just didn't get that this time yeah more not not quite well see that goes back to the person that was directing it too yeah which could have been different thoughts different emphasis on certain aspects of the movie because he's more would you say classically trained as far as that's the, that's acting, directing, that type of stuff too? So a little bit more important from his. Quite possibly so. So out of 10 on the costumes and propping, what would you say it got? I'll give it a 10. I'll, I, was, I was pretty happy with it. I would probably give the costumes around a 7 on this one. Now, locations. Obviously, there's a lot of mythical <laughs> locations, not a lot of real. They popped around quite a bit. This is also out of 10. So, okay. So you've got Asgard that they're at. You've got uh, him, you know, fighting Surtur in Surtur's realm at that point. You've got him visiting Doctor Strange in the Sanctum Centaur, Sanctum Cent, in his house. Yes. So. Uh, in New York. In New York. You've got... Uh, You've got them in space at points. You've got them uh, in in Norway, looking o- over the uh, ocean. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of uh, they're kind of all over the place. Lots and lots of different locations. 
And what then, did you think about the choice uh, and and emphasis and and how it all played out? Well, we've seen the sanctum already, so that was kind of just take the how it was presented before and and put it in this one. Yeah, with all the treasures and the display cases and all that type of stuff. And God, I love the bit where he got his hammer at the end. That was fantastic. It's great. <laughs> you just stand there and. <laughs> Hold on, just a minute. <laughs> so, the, oh, it was his umbrella. Right? Yeah, his umbrella. Um, so that that was fine. The how you know Sakar obviously was just all basically digital stuff. Um, that was fine too. I didn't really have a problem with that. You know, piles of junk everywhere and little you know, wormholes and stuff. And oh, the night the nightmare entrance, the nightmare version of uh, of Disney World as he's stuck to the chair. Coming into being taken to see the Grandmaster. Yes, that was pretty funny. That was good too. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, for me, I, I mean, there's really not a lot to say on locations. They were all over the place. There for me, they were distinct. They were good. They served a purpose, and you couldn't really have asked much more. I'm kind of a ten on the locations yeah, on this one. All the same. Yeah, it's pretty easy and doesn't need a lot of explanation. All right, cinematography. This is also out of twenty. So, style of uh, style of filming, the way they cut their scenes together, uh, the the method that they use the CGI. What did you think? I just remember the one impression I got from this was that everything on its initial appearance, appearance, and sometimes you got to watch it multiple times to dig in and see the flaws on it. But initially watching mm. it. The colors were great. Um, everything I thought as they presented it to us and then how, like the transitions, a lot of the stuff were fine, but with like were basic, but with influences of other things. Like not, not, not going over the top, no. but just like, like I said, more, maybe more 80s style presentations on a few things here and there. So I, I was... I was fine with everything. It's kind of funny that you said basic. I, I had that exact same impression. So it seems seems very basic, but not in a bad way. That it that it kind of that it kind of worked because it was basic. Yeah, you had the ridiculous in in a basic frame, and and that in and of itself makes it funnier. Uh, the shots that they would do, we were talking, you know, just talking a minute ago about that that the angle that they would use and the method they used as he was brought to the grandmaster just just worked really well the uh elevator scene between uh him and uh loki uh just the just not the close-up intimate shot but just slightly removed and 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 you know it kind of and the the, that way then when it got to the transition when they went to the wider it it just kind of flew uh it worked better and when he got when he the opening part when they was tied up in the chains and then the he fell down from the chains and it was kind of like that view of the camera looking up at the chain unrolled and he dropped down that was pretty neat and then yeah. just him the, the the running joke of him just spinning and not being able to see you know just like flashing back and forth between yeah, the angles good. on that so like it wasn't anything crazy but like that that's fine that's how it should have been presented i think so uh yeah, obviously, with more and more, just just more and more CGI in every superhero film, there's just no way around it. Did you see any Superman mustache level flaws in any of the CGI? No, you know, uh, I feel like so. A lot of the, a lot of what people were wearing or or doing, was already presented like it didn't have to be digitally converted in any type or, or form just you know surger of course was just all digital of course yeah he, he was fine um korg was all digital um meek was all digital they were fine i didn't really see asgard was all digital Scar was mostly digital yeah well i was thinking more like the people oh the people yeah but like the actual expressions on people's faces, and um, I, I thought, I thought Core blended in just fine, and Meek was just fine too. Like we know that they're digital representations of characters, 
you don't do practical effects on movies anymore. <laughs> that would be a hard one to do a practical Which effect on. Sad. But they've spent but, the money on making that one look natural. So but, I, I didn't really Mr. see Mr. Hemsworth, we have this harness we would like you to wear. It's going to produce a certain amount of electricity that you're going to be casting out, out about. <laughs> this may sting slightly. But we're just going to go from, I need you to act like you're going to touch this ball over here. And there might be a spark to shoot. There's a small pinch. Yeah, it might just this one. Uh, so yeah, okay, okay. Um, so nothing that is. There was nothing in there as good as it was that just made me go. That was a stunning concept. I've never thought of that before, or I've never been presented with this particular type of uh, this particular type of use of. CGI or this type of use of these shots or whatever. So nothing groundbreaking, but... But polished. But polished. Not not distracting slash not detracting from yeah. what you were seeing on the screen. Yeah. Like a mustache that <laughs> got poorly cut out. Yeah. So yeah, so pretty good all in all. So out of, the 20, out of the 20 points of cinematography, what would you say that they got on that? Um, 20 is a lot of points. So, I mean... Not really seeing much of any. I'll go with a 19 on that one. Yeah, cinematography. I may have to retool these points on each on each level at some point. But it's got to add up to 100, so I'm going to have to re exactly. retool so it somewhere else. It's got to go somewhere. So cinematography for me, um, yeah, I'd say 19 is pretty accurate on that for me as well. Could could have uh, It would have been nice to be more wowed than I was. And maybe I'm just getting jaded after watching... 3,000 superhero movies in the last 10 years, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think at this point, it's hard to... It's hard to be wowed. You know, there was there was a time when you could be wowed, when The Matrix or The Lord of the Rings, yeah. you, know, it was, it was, you know, you could be wowed. Well, now that stuff's kind of a expectation. I think, I think the wow factor is more like a don't let me down factor at this point. Yeah. It's, it's the opposite. Yeah, I'm... I, and just from the way human nature is and the way the mind is, I'm, I'm thinking that we're going to have to have a, a, a large selection of really awful movies to remind us how good some of these are. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, give us a few more. <laughs> I don't want to say. It. Give us a That's few a, more Justice Leagues. And, a few more yeah, DC we'll, movies. We'll, we'll be there, remember. man. We got it. Uh, but okay, so that brings us to the the big bad boy, the one that actually is the glue that holds everything together, and that's the plot and the writing. So, plot of the movie, pretty simple, right? Yeah, the 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 sister that nobody knew existed um, suddenly is back and prevalent, and it's causing trouble. Absolutely, has to be confronted by brother. Yeah. Brother has to learn about what family really means by fighting a large green monster on another planet. Well, so here, here's the thing. <laughs> People have been clamoring for another Hulk movie for a while because the first two were less than spectacular. Yeah. Um, not presented how... I think people want Hulk to be presented. Yeah. Um, one minor aspect, which I guess we didn't really talk about it too much in that cinematography. So we talked about the characters. Well, Hulk is a CGI character. Oh yeah, and he talked, and he never really did that. Previously. Did that, and he's so much better. He's so much better of a character, in my opinion, when he's not a Hulk smash green beast. When he is yes. a actual creature let's call him who has thoughts and can communicate he's so much like he he's a much i think a much better character it, it, it's hard to drive the so like the, the first two hulk movies where he's a he's a beast and he just smashes and he's got no anything he's just a, he has no thoughts he has no mind he's just hulk smash first two you're first, first two hulk movies are How, you, you're not referring to the Banta movie, are you? The the Eric Banta? Which one? Because no, like I'm I'm going from Ed Norton forward because of Marvel. Were you going back? To oh the, yeah, yeah. I was I was going back okay, one step gotcha, further too. Gotcha. So yeah, yeah. Like not not him in the Avengers and those types of things, but yeah. like um, I 
every time I see the Hulk character more recently in animated things or presented, he's presented as a cognizant, communicating character who's always a Hulk and is hardly ever Bruce Banner. That's my favorite presentation of him in the comics when they had Hulk with basically Banner's intelligence and kind of a melding of personality that was that was the most interesting version of the Hulk that I think I had seen but I I the Hulk is hard to write. I mean if you there's only so many directions that you can go with him and it feels like they took two broken eggs and and kind of put them together or what they felt were two broken eggs and put them together between having Thor feeling somewhat incomplete and and Hulk definitely being incomplete on what you can do with him. And it's like, well, let's stick them together and make a buddy cop movie. Yeah. Yeah. And because because everybody wanted the Planet Hulk movie. Like yeah. they wanted that to be a whole on its own thing because there's more storylines. There's more interaction with there, there's more than just Korg and meat. There's other characters and then there's more fighting and it's, I don't think it, was ever the Grandmaster, was it? Am I wrong on that? Or um, Sakar? Yeah. No, no, not originally. Originally in the comic books, it had to do with the Illuminati, uh, the powers that be behind several of the superhero teams being like uh, Professor X and Doctor Strange and Reed Richards and uh, and and the group of them, Namor and, and such, decided that uh, the Hulk was, uh, if was I remember correctly, dangerous. Too dangerous, off. and they sent him off. Yeah, planet. yeah, yeah. And uh, but the, then the, the, the planet, ship, the ship that got him there ended up exploding and destroying the planet for which Hulk had settled in with a family. And he got angrier than he had ever been and then came back and nearly killed everybody. So it, mm. it was it was fairly dark in the in the comics and so good. It was it was really good. The the point at which it, it basically culminates is him and Sentry. If you're not familiar with that character, I won't blame you. But well, in the Marvel universe, it's like one of, if not the most powerful characters in the entire. Kinda, kinda, yeah. But they, they, he was angry enough, uh, powerful enough that they fought each other essentially to a standstill, where they both reverted back to human form, and it was, it was kind of epic in the way that, and in, in the way that it was. It was portrayed, and it's a lot of MacGuffins and a lot of plot devices and that sort of things. But that, that's fine. It, it, it was it was so well done. The 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 story behind it was so solid. It didn't matter too too much. There, there was no way for them to really make that into into a movie. Whether it's just because of of uh, of characters that they don't have access to because of fantastic four and namor it's is not going to be something they have access to or whether it has to do with if, if i remember correctly that their rights deal with the hulk is such that they can't put him in an individual movie they can put him in other movies like uh, avengers and such but they'll never have another well not never but i don't see a one. Some with is a universal is that yeah. who actually owns the full so. rights to it i think so and, and it's so they they can't really do quite maybe as much as they want, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but uh, yeah, but he's good as limiting. a as a partner, as a character within. But you're right; it would be hard. So unless they, I I like storylines with characters like the leader. Yeah, me too. And I was so disappointed when they they gave that teaser at the end of the Norton movie, and just man, eh, he's gone. That's it. Well, he te- well. He may not be gone. Well, he's not know. not gone. He didn't die, but uh, never hear from him again. And so, like, like that'd oh, be good, man. you know, with him, with a, a true character of like the Abomination. Like those are good, but those would be good within a family of things with the Hulk and other superheroes. I think. I agree. I mean, didn't they leave um, uh, Zemo? Yeah, they left Zemo alive at the end. Yep of uh, civil war i mean so zemo is alive the abomination is alive they could very easily through a little bit of twisting around do a masters of evil masters of evil yep. that could be really fun but uh, well di- i digress but anyway yeah our dreams of future movies yes definitely but uh 
but you know i uh i thought the character portrayal was was good enough the plot was i don't want to say basic it wasn't it wasn't basic but it was it was fine and not surprising um convenient let's call it uh what so when we talked about other movies so far a lot of those especially justice league oh my gosh felt rushed just like let's just get things together and just get this thing over with. And I, I didn't get that out of this movie. <clears throat> it's just that all of a sudden there's this character and all of a sudden this, like there was some background to it. There was some background to like Odin not being there. You know, it led in from other movies. Like there was at least some lead into a few aspects of what was going on. You know, the Hulk at the end of uh, Ultron, flying away in a jet and going away. It's like there was minor leads and lead ins to the thing. So it wasn't just like, okay, here's a movie, here's your stuff. There you go. So from that aspect, it still felt like, Oh, it's just convenient that everything comes together and here's this thing. So, yeah, I, um, the only other thing that I, that I could think of is kind of like we were talking about before. And especially before we started the, the warriors three. And I have to, have to check my fanboyness. They they were always one of my favorite sets of characters, and I thought that they were introduced really well in the first movie, and in the or they, they were at least briefly in the second movie, and they were done mm-hmm. okay on that. But they always had such an upshot, and when they got Zachary Levi in uh, as as one of them, who I absolutely love, uh, death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we'll get there. Um, I, I want to see them. I want to see them do something and to kill them so quickly and without any real need. It it served essentially no plot purpose other than to say, yeah, now we don't have to deal with them in the Infinity War. Yeah, it's just like they come on set for 30 minutes and like, I need you guys to fall down and cut. <laughs> Good job. Take your paycheck. Get out of here. Like that, that's, that's all it was. It was... I was funny actually. If there was a point I would have gotten upset in the movie, that would have been it. I mean, I was pretty happy with how everything went. And you're gonna, you should have character death. You got to keep the stakes feeling real, but have it mean something. Like uh, the presentation of the executioner's death at the end of the movie. That was well done, and it was a great homage to the comics. And I thought it was well integrated even if it was again talking about brush thing it wasn't rushed but I, I always get disappointed when you introduce a character in the movie and it's dead by the end of the movie it always feels like you you could have done more there you could have done something but yeah. i know you've got limited time and you've got limited everything else but come on the executioner is an interesting character to begin with and the spin that you put on him was fantastic and it just seems like such a waste to have that character be gone already well and and the other thing too is with my limited knowledge of all this stuff i felt like he and the enchantress were tied together quite a bit they were and there never was an enchantress and if this is indeed a well, uh, in Agents of Shield, Enchantress yeah, showed that, up. That's true. So, but that meant that she was never going to be in the film. Yeah. So you weren't going to use that that aspect of that relationship, and they just sometimes I think Marvel has. Oh, we got rights to this character. Cool. We haven't shown that person before. Let's get him in. You know, like if you can, because we as fans of the movies like to see more people yeah in the movies and that's i mean we'll obviously we're gonna see a whole lot here in a little bit but that was just another character to be in that movie because that character served really no purpose not a a huge purpose no no it was was more of a distraction than anything else in a good and not in a bad way in a good way yeah i mean one of the things that marvel does so very well and that that and that can be handed to the the directors that understand this they understand they have two audiences that they have to please they have the the core fanboys that have been comic book 
or I should say fan people, I guess, that have been comic book fans for years and years and years. And they want to see deep cuts. They want to see references to these characters that even if they know they're never going to see them, just seeing certain things mentioned is 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 good enough, that sort of thing. And when you do bring a character in that, it, it's great. And then you've got the main group of people that are actually going to bring in the money You've got to get everybody else to come see it, so they can't do too much of that as center you gotta, stage. You got to blend everything together, absolutely. Gotta, so, I mean, that's that's fine, but I think, in a way, I think they're missing out on the success. They're they're kind of missing out on what's right in front of their faces. They've already taken these B and C list characters and turned them into properties that people want to see. They have shown that these characters that are not necessarily what people would originally flock to to see originally can have a deep, fulfilling, character-developed movie and, and work. Well, you can do that with every character you bring in. You don't have to throw away characters. It's just wasteful. And admittedly, there are thousands of comic book characters. But if, uh, if I have to get to the point where we're looking at Rocket Racer, as one of the characters they're going to throw in in the next Spider-Man film? No. No. Slow it down. Let us have a chance to actually enjoy these little nuggets. You can make them real characters that we will be able to see and appreciate for a longer period of time. Cardiac will be the next spider <laughs> Oh, God, I hope not. <coughs> well, the... <coughs> the shocker. Just not really the shocker. Well, yeah, yeah that... I I loved and hated that, but that's that's for a different discussion. Yeah, different discussion. Uh, different discussion. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, I thought they tied things up nicely. I thought it had the flow that it needed to to lead up to the movie to show that they're going to run into Thanos. Although I'm now mildly curious if we're going to run into another of those instances when the Avengers comes through where they put up trailers for scenes that are not actually going to be in the movie mm. because at the end of the film, that has to be sanctuary. It has to be Thanos' ship. It's it, Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. But in the previews, you see Thor smack into the windshield of the uh, of the Guardians of the Galaxies uh, ship, the Milano, the Milano yeah. which I still think of as a cookie, delicious cookie. <laughs> but okay. I, I like mint Milano. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, it, it can still be logical how it can play out through the movie, but it still seems potentially disjointed. Well, see, the other thing I was reading too is there's a lot of things that could be changed within a movie because of the. Th- special effects and obviously him slamming into a, a ship in space is a whole scene but one of the things that was pointed out when previews for Thor Ragnarok came out he had um, two eyes when he was at the end and he was on the bridge and he was throwing down and the thunder was going everywhere yeah. when the movie came out he had one eye and a patch yes. so it just sometimes things get Altered. rethought and changed so I'm sure that's already happened quite a bit but there haven't been a whole lot of trailers for infinity war there was some no. leaked footage from last year and the more like we've seen some here in the last couple months and that's it so yeah not a ton we'll, we'll see um but you know so plot while basic good character development um Thor had some actually some real character development rather than kind of just on the face character development. Right. I mean, in the first movie he had some decent character development. In the second movie, he had essentially zero character development. Uh, and but in this, it, it feels like he definitely progressed down the road. Loki. Um, yeah, we'll see more of him. We'll some, see more of Valkyrie. We'll see more, presumably, of the Grandmaster. Yeah. Valkyrie had some good character development and then that the direction they're going with her is not to my memory like any of the comics I ever read actually in a good way it, a little more depth in the comics the Valkyrie is uh, well 
first of all, Valkyrie is exactly what you'd expect from a Scandinavian woman in terms of blonde hair, blue eyes kind of sort of a thing. But more specifically, always seemed very cardboard. I didn't ever really see a lot of unique character or, or all that much that was interesting in the, in the comics. But I think they brought a lot more to it in the film. Yeah. Um, a little more life. A little more life. Good character development for the Hulk, the relationship between the Hulk and, and Thor. So, I mean, a lot of good character development, even though the plot was simple. Um, so I'd say overall, very, very well done on that side. What would you give that out of 20? I'll go 16. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I, uh, I will probably... I'll give it a tentative 17. I, I, I liked it pretty well. That the, the hilarity made up for a lot. Yeah. But, uh, all right. So this is one of those, I think going to be one of those rare instances where I'm going to give bonus points too. I don't know if, do you have any bonus points you wish to give this film? Um, no, no bonus points. I did enjoy the core character pretty well. And, and the, the, if anything, the bonus points should go to the, the, uh, scene, the, uh, reenactment scene with our <laughs> favorite cameos thrown in there because that one's that's of the whole movie and the nonsense that's in the movie and the, like that's pretty that's pretty funny that was that was really wonderful uh the reason i'm giving a, a bonus point is it, usually i think of this as something that's not really constrained within what we had within the other stuff so i want to give one bonus point just because of the um, little Marvel short they did after. And it's an, another continuation of what they did previously with uh, the Dark World where they've got Thor being roommates with, with somebody in the previous film. I, I, I guess it wasn't due with the Thor movie. It was more of a uh, what's happening with Thor happening with while Thor, yeah. Civil War is going on. But then they continued it when the the roommate moved and ended up getting the grandmaster as his roommate it is fantastic yeah you're telling me about that so it, that's it's really funny worth watching and again it's it's gold bloom being gold bloom and and just just goofy in a lot of great ways so i want to give one bonus point for that but uh so overall that means that let's see you got Doing the math right now here. Absolutely, 80, 82 points from you on the on the film. That can't be right. This is bad math timing. So you only were one, three, Seven, four, one, plus eight, five. eight low, ninety-two. Ninety-two. Okay. See, got this it. This is why I don't have a degree in math, and I instead have a degree in not math. Um. <laughs> Mathematics. <laughs> so with me, I was two, five, six, nine down, but gave a uh, <laughs> gave a bonus point. Ended up ninety two. Ninety two. Nice. So so that's that's uh, that's pretty good. Really, that means that it is in the realm of an A minus. So we like this film better than Black Panther. Yes. And I think that's a fair estimate. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely accurate. As much as I like Black Panther, I definitely like Thor Ragnarok better. Yeah. Um, even if Black Panther is just beating the pants off of it in terms of of ticket sales. And, yeah, but the, the Thor movies sales. never did very well from a sales standpoint. So I think this one did pretty well. Oh, it did. It did, it did the best of the three, I think, pretty yeah. clearly. But, uh, it had a good hype machine behind it too and good marketing it was a good movie so it, it's an easy sell for folks yeah and uh it'll, it's top five for me of all the marvel movies made thus far so that's, yeah. that's pretty awesome so okay well uh next time we'll come back to you either with another another uh review of a, a movie or maybe possibly uh, uh get back to our list of comic books through the ages or potentially, uh, or maybe yeah, new. we might even talk about what our favorite drink is. You never know. You never know. You just got to come back and see, and we we will let you know, and we will hope to share in our passions with you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.